Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so glad that you're joining me on this episode. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about is that with all that's going on in the world between the coronavirus, social unrest, and just a host of things that are just really like they they stir up distress within us that there's never been a better time for you and for me to draw near to God to deepen our connection with God to make sure the roots of our life go down deep into the soil of God and his spirit and his word the well-known words of Psalm 46:10 ring so true be still and know that i am god And if you want some help figuring out how to really do that, how to have a consistent time with God, how to pray through Scripture, I've got a free little mini course on my website that's aimed just in that direction. It includes a workbook, three videos, aimed to help you deepen your connection with God. You can swing over to johnwhitaker.net, sign up for that free video course. I'll send it to you right there. So I'll put a link to my website down below, and you can check that out if that sounds like it might be helpful to you. All right, let's get into today's show. Over the last few episodes, we've been exploring this idea of really taking on the culture of Jesus. One of the things that's so important for us to just always remember when we read particularly the New Testament letters is those letters were written to young churches, young Christians, many of whom had only been Christians for a year or two. Some of those churches had only been around for a year or two or even sometimes weeks. And those letters are written to help them learn the new way of life that they now uh, are supposed to be living because they're part of God's people now. The idea is, now that you're saved, now that you're part of God's family, here's the new culture that you are to take on. And so we've been exploring just some of the key components that those letters come back to over and over again that are part of that new culture that we're supposed to adopt as God's people. And today we want to look at one that is uh, shows up all over the place in the New Testament. It is terribly pertinent for uh, people in all times and places, especially, it seems, right now, at least uh, in various parts of the world where there's a host of social unrest, this topic, this theme, shows up so much in the New Testament and speaks directly to our current situation. I want to look at a passage out of 1 Peter First Peter chapter 2. Let me set the context for this to set up where we want to go. In First Peter chapter 2, the first half of the chapter, Peter paints a beautiful picture of us as the people of God. We have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light, and we exist, he says, to declare the excellencies of him who called us out of that darkness into his light. And then from there, he begins then to describe the new way of life by which we do that, the new way of life by which we declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his life. So beginning in verse 11, he begins to really raise this topic of, all right, now it's time to think about this new way of life. Let's read First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. This has been one of Peter's 
dominant metaphors in the letter, uh, that idea of being uh, exiles, aliens, sojourners in this world, that um, we live in this world, we're part of this world, we're part of human society, but our identity isn't um, from this world, and thus our uh, ambitions and our culture and our way of life isn't a part of this world. We're like strangers here. So I urge you, as aliens and strangers, he says, to abstain from fleshly lust. Lust just means desire. So abstain from fleshly desires, fallen human desires, which wage war against the soul. And so they tear down your soul. They assault your soul. And maybe over the last few months, with all that's going on in the world, you have seen so much hostility, so much conflict, so many so many things, questions you can't figure out. You felt like your soul has been assaulted, right? So abstain, he says, from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Verse 12, he says, keep, this is, listen to this, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Gentiles literally is non-Jews. In the New Testament, it really became to be referred to people, at least at times, people outside of God's people. So keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, those pagans among whom you live who don't know God, don't know God's way of life, keep your behavior excellent. In fact, the word for behavior there, anastrophe in Greek, is, is more comprehensive. We think of behavior as really just you know, specific individual actions, but behavior refers to literally your way of life. The whole way your life is arranged, organized, and carried out. So keep your whole manner of doing life excellent. Beautiful and virtuous is the idea among those people who don't know God so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, so they they attack you, they call you evildoers, they run down your way of life, they run down, right, like they run down your belief system so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God on the day of visitation. Glorify God when he actually visits this world and he makes all things new. Now, if, if you were Peter and you had just written kind of this header to this section, which you're going to then um, begin describing this beautifully good way of life that is supposed to uh, you know, be excellent and attractive among the people who don't know God. If you were Peter, what would be the first thing you would talk about? Abstain from fleshly lust. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. What's going to be the first specific instruction about excellent behavior if you were Peter? Maybe sexual purity. Maybe marriage and family. Uh, maybe replacing anger and hostility with patience and peace, something we talked about just a few weeks ago on the podcast. What would you talk about first if you were Peter? I'm pretty confident that for most of us, it's not what Peter talks about first. Listen to what Peter talks about first. Verse 13, Peter begins to describe specifically, here's some things I have in mind about how you should keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Here's the first thing he says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as to the one in authority, meaning the emperor in his day and age, or to governors, local rulers, as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do what's right. And so submit yourselves, in other words, to the government, to the governing authorities, to the emperor who's in Rome and over the whole thing, to his um 
local authorities, the governors who are scattered all throughout the empire and who rule on his behalf, over, submit yourself to them. And the idea of submit is arrange yourself under. That's literally what that word means. Arrange yourself under them to uh, submit to their leadership, to take instructions from them, to do what they say. That's essentially what submit would mean in this context. Submit yourselves, notice, for the Lord's sake, because the Lord wants you to, for his name's sake, for his honor in town, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every, not just to some, not just to the ones that agree with you, not just to the ones you like, but to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do what's right. That word right um, is really important, and I don't really like the translation right. It would be better if they would translate it for those who do good, because that's literally the word we have here. It's to do good, meaning to, to be known as good citizens, to be known as a helpful, beneficial part of the community. That's the idea that you do so much good in town, you do so much good for your neighbors, you do so much good for the community that... Um, that the government has to praise you. That's the idea. This is doing good. It's really the same word that he, he used uh, up above when he says that they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God. That's the same word. In fact, this is a major theme in First Peter. Uh, Peter is actually addressing um, what, is it, what is it like to live in a society where the government is against you, where there's a hostility to you, where there's tension between your belief system, your values, and your way of life, and the governors and the local policies and the local rulers. How do you live in that society? There doesn't even have to be out and out like physical persecution. Uh, and some of Peter's audience isn't experiencing that. They're just experiencing some hostility, some oppression, some difficulty. They're maybe at the risk of um, losing their job or they're experiencing some, some social pressure if they don't conform. That's what they're dealing with. And what Peter says is, look, I want you to be known as people who do good, who do good in town. Um, it's a key concept all throughout the letter of First Peter. One of the major things Peter is tackling is how do we live in a non-Christian, sometimes hostile city as God's people? And Peter's major piece of advice is do good, uh, do good. And that includes submitting to uh, the emperor and to the governors. Notice what he doesn't say. Um, he doesn't say, well, you're going to declare his excellencies and let your light shine by withdrawing and isolating into your own little subculture. He doesn't say, or here's what you should do. You should picket the emperor's policy, right? Like uh, set up a picket line and picket the emperor's policies. Or he doesn't say, post on social media and mock the government and, and put out memes that, that uh, you know, point out all the emperor's flaws and everything that's wrong with his policies and, and mock the local governors. Don't do that. Fight with your fellow believers about, uh, you know, who approach the government different than you. Yeah, let's fight about them on social media. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, uh, make sure everybody knows what you're against. And he doesn't say uh, to point out how morally superior you are, you know, and be sure to practice virtue signaling so that everyone knows how morally superior you are. He doesn't even say to defend your rights. 
What he says is to do good. Submit to the governing authorities. Be people who are known for doing good. Um, and like the good disciple that Peter is, Peter is simply echoing his teacher and his master, Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds, good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And that's exactly what Peter is echoing here in this section. And that includes submitting to the governing authorities. Um, a church I was once a part of decided to ask the mayor of their town how they could best serve him, how they could best help him serve the community. And you want to know what the mayor said? He gave a real simple practical need. I don't think it was what any of us were really expecting. A real simple practical need. Could you walk through the creek when it gets low and clean up all the trash? I don't think that's what we would have thought of would be really helpful to the mayor as a church. But that's what he, he wanted us to do. He knew we had manpower and volunteers, and it would be really helpful to the community. So we did. So we did. When we serve our neighborhoods and our communities in Jesus' name, then even though they may not think our beliefs are right, they may even think our beliefs are a little crazy, they may not even agree with us, they can't argue that we're a good part of society. And I suspect that's why Peter leads off with submit to the governing authorities and to do good. In fact, Peter says doing good like this and being known as a helpful and beneficial part of society is God's will for us as his people. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 15, he, he says, for, for such is the will of God that by doing good, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Once again, notice Peter's point. We don't silence them by defending our rights or mocking their beliefs or touting our moral superiority. We silence them by doing good, meaning, again, being a beneficial part of the community, by helping people, by serving people in Jesus' name. Again, that same church where the mayor asked us to do that, um, he waived fees at times for us as a church. And these were his explicit words. He said... Um, well, you guys do so much good in town that don't worry about paying that fee. That is, that is right in keeping with what Peter wants us to be known for as God's people. Do so much good in town that even the leaders, even if they're not a part of your church and they may think you're a little bit crazy for your beliefs, would say you do so much good in town. That's how you silence the, uh, the accusations of ignorant and foolish people. Um, Peter goes on in verse 16 to say, Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Now, we have to hear it in Peter's cultural context. A free man and a slave were two different social classes. They were viewed stereotypically with really two different viewpoints. And so uh, slaves were viewed as subservient, right? Not having much dignity um, at the beck and call of their master. A free man had choice. A free man had dignity and responsibility and honor to make his own choices. And so when he says, act as a free man, he's saying, act with uh, the dignity and the honor and the responsibility and the courage of a non-slave. You, in other words, choose to honor God. 
You choose to act by doing good in town and be known for doing good. You choose to submit to the governing authorities because that's what God wants you to do. You do what's good and right instead of what's bad and wrong. And that means, verse 17, honor all people. Honor all people. Treat. In other words, treat. Don't just, when he says honor, he's not talking about a feeling so much. He's talking about how you treat people. You treat people with honor. You treat them with dignity. You treat them with respect. You honor everybody, all people. Notice that, all people. Not some, not the ones that agree with you, not the ones that say nice things about you. All people, you treat them with honor because they're people made in the image of God. So honor all people. Love the brotherhood, meaning your fellow believers. Love them. Show Christ-like, self-giving love to the brotherhood of believers and let that be the mark for you. Um, and that, that, that was in the early church. That was the mark for them. Like the, the pagans would say, look how they love one another because it was just so amazing that people from all these different backgrounds with all these different heritage and sometimes even all these different ideas treated each other with such love, self-giving love. So love the brotherhood. Fear God. Uh, live under God with great awe, great respect for his majesty, his greatness, his name. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Treat him with honor. Speak about him with honor, right? Honor the emperor. This is not an optional extra in our Christian life. This is not a second-tier instruction for us as followers of Jesus. Peter leads with this, right? Like, like make sure you keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, right? You know, uh, abstain from fleshly, fleshly lust. What do you mean, Peter? Well, here's one of the things I mean. Submit to the governing authorities. Honor them honor them. And this shows up all over the New Testament. Uh, in fact, uh, respect for authority, submission to authority, including the governing authorities, shows up um, all throughout the New Testament letters. This is a key component of Jesus's will for us as his people. And so as we take on the culture of Jesus and we're re-socialized to his way of life, this is one of the things it means for us that we're known in, in town as good citizens helpful, useful, beneficial citizens in our community. We're known as people who speak about and treat the governing authorities with honor and respect. Even when they disagree with us, even if they treat us poorly, we're known as ones who speak about and treat them well and honor them. Notice the two key words, submit, that has to do with uh, the way we carry out our life, right? that we're going to listen to them, we're going to do what they say. Honor has to do with treating them with an attitude of respect and honor, speaking about them with an attitude of respect and honor. And so the, 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 there's this, this whole posture towards them that we honor them. Now, this raises a really important question, a uh, question that we don't have tons of time to deal with in the time that's remaining on this episode. But that question is this, is there ever a time God's people should disobey the government? Is there ever a time we as God's people should disobey the government. Probably need to have a whole episode on this, but let me just real briefly answer that, okay? Um, yes, there is. The New Testament, both in explicit teaching and in modeling it in the book of Acts, shows us there is a time we should disobey the government. Here's the dividing line. When obeying the government would cause you to disobey God, now you're in a position where you have to choose between two authority figures. You always choose God. That's really, really important. It's not just, I don't like it, or it's inconvenient, 
or it goes against my rights, or I don't like that rule. It's if I obey this rule, would I disobey God? If I would disobey God by obeying this governing rule, law, policy, whatever it is, if I would disobey God by doing that, then I'm going to have to choose to obey God. And the other component is, and I have to willingly accept the consequences that the government gives me. You see that modeled, for example, with the apostles. Uh, in the early chapters of Acts, they disobey the government. They disobey a specific injunction, executive order, specific policy from the government to quit preaching. They're like, we got to preach because that's what Jesus told us to do. So they preach. They get thrown back in jail. Um, they say, look, whether it's right in your eyes for us to obey you or God, we're going to choose God. So they recognize the tension, and then they they get beaten and whipped. And when they get beaten and whipped, what do they do? They go home rejoicing because they have been counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. They accepted the consequences of disobeying the government. And so that really, in brief, that's very brief, but in, that's, that's the approach that we need to have, is the vast majority of times um, we obey the government. In fact, we, we do what they say even to the point of honoring them, unless obeying them would put us in a position where we're going to disobey God. Now, having said that, I recognize here, at least in my country in the United States, that there is presently, at the present time, there is disagreement about how to apply that principle. I get that. Um, case in point, uh, here just in the last few days, a pastor in California uh, said, I'm going to obey the word of God, which means I'm going to defy the order to close down services. Same same time, literally, at the same time, Andy Stanley, well-known pastor in Georgia, said, we're closing down meeting together all our large group services for the rest of the year. Like, two pastors, both who believe in the word of God, um, one saying we're defying the government, one saying we're closing down services. Look, applying the principle of is there ever a time to disobey the government? Well, when they cause us to disobey God, we, we then should obey God rather than them. That takes great discernment, and Christians aren't always going to agree on that, which means we need to treat each other with grace and mercy and love. All right? We don't need to shame each other, look down on each other, point the finger, blame each other. We're to love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood, even if we're not totally on the same page, all right? Um, you can look up those examples if you want to know more. But the fact is, is Christians, all we're not always going to see eye to eye. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The primary point Peter's making and the thing we need to make sure and make sure we're before God, our heart is right in this, is we want to honor God. By honoring the king, uh, honoring the governing authorities, submitting to them, and that it should be incredibly rare that we uh, disobey the governing authorities. That uh, we don't do it just to defend our rights. We do it for the name of God. We do it for his namesake. And overall, overwhelmingly, we should be known for doing good in town as good citizens, good members of the neighborhood, good members of the community, useful, beneficial, helpful to our neighborhood. That's what we should be known for. That's how we make our light shine in town. And, and, and if we feel like, if you feel like right now 
that maybe in, in view of the, the the present unrest, like you're, you're suffering, like the, this is somehow causing suffering for you and it's difficult, then maybe these words from just a little bit later in 1 Peter, where he's still speaking to the same issue, maybe these words would be helpful to you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19 says this, Let those who suffer according to the will of God, meaning and according to the way of God, according to serving God, let those who suffer according to the will of God, catch this, entrust their souls to a faithful creator and keep on doing what is good. Entrust your soul to God. He'll sort it out. He'll make things right. He knows the future. He holds this world in his hands. He holds your life, your community, your country in his hands. He's in charge. He's making all things new. He knows what's right. He has a perfect perspective. And he'll eventually sort out right from wrong. And wrongdoers will be dealt with. And justice will prevail. He knows all that. He's got it all taken care of. So entrust yourself to a faithful creator. And keep on doing good. Serving people in Jesus' name. Loving people in Jesus' name. Being known as a, a community of people uh, that do good in town. Entrust yourself to a faithful creator and keep on doing what is good. May God be glorified in us because we live that way. That's Peter's concern. That should be our concern as well as God's people as we seek to embody the very culture of Jesus, not only individually, but in our communities of faith, in our churches, that in town we would be known uh, for people who do good, who honor the king, who submit to the governing authorities for God's name's sake. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thanks again to each and every one of you who make this ministry and this podcast possible because of your faithful support. I couldn't do it without you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your prayers. God bless each and every one of you. May you walk by faith. May you follow Jesus, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. God bless.